It's like really, really good to see you guys. Like I am excited to be here. I'm always excited to be here, but more than normal. Uh, some of you heard that I went back to Nebraska over Thanksgiving to see some family and do some hunting. And I have great stories of hunting prowess and success, but I also got the Rona while I was there. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks. It, it was a big bummer. So I had to spend, uh, you know, Thanksgiving actually away from my family, isolated, quarantining, and just doing the deal. And uh, yeah, not my favorite Thanksgiving ever, I'll be honest, but uh, I came through it. But, you know, there were some moments. Uh, it felt like I got the body aches thing, you know, and I had been, you know, I was away from my wife, so as obviously you would, you'd watch all the good TV that you normally don't get to watch. So I was watching a lot of kung fu movies. And then I, my kidneys felt like I'd been in a prize fight, and I wasn't sure if it was dreaming at night about kung fu or if it was the Rona. I'm pretty sure it was the Rona. And so I was weary. I, lo I love this sermon series, this title, uh, A Weary World Rejoices. One app title for this year, 20 Crazy 20. How many of you guys are weary? Feel a little weary? I was feeling weary on a whole new level the last couple weeks as I was in quarantine. And I know you guys are feeling weary right now. My hope is that over these next few weeks as we look at uh, this incredible Advent hymn, O Holy Night, and we take a verse and a phrase each week and we kind of drill down and then look at scripture and see where that truth is rooted, that not only would you guys resonate with the, a weary world, but that you would also be a people who are able to truly celebrate this Advent. And so let me read again uh, the words of this first verse from O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And I wanna look at, at, to start with at this phrase, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Now, pining, that's not a word I don't think that we use that much anymore. It's kind of an old word, but I, I did hear it recently. I'm married uh, to my, my wife, who's from South Africa, so she uses interesting words sometimes. And, and she used that word recently. I was coming in from hunting. I hadn't seen my wife, and so I kind of nestled up to her, and I was like, me men, me bring meat, you woman. And, you know, I was thinking she'd play her role and be like, oh, so good to see you. You bring dinner. And, and I was like, did you miss me? And she's like, I was not pining after you, if that's what you mean. And I was like, ouch. And all of a sudden, I kind of had understanding. I think in context what this word means is that she was not, you know, just laying there in anguish and brokenhearted, just longing for my return. So now you understand what pining means. And so when the world is pining, they're laying in anguish, brokenhearted. They're longing for something. And, and the hymn says that they're in sin and error pining. See, here's the problem is that they are 
longing after and they're brokenhearted because they're longing for the wrong things. They're not actually longing after God, but rather they're in sin. And they're pining after things that won't actually fulfill, won't actually give their lives meaning. And as the, the poet Wendell Berry says, it's darker and darker, and then Jesus is born. See, that's what Advent is. That's what Christmas we celebrate is the arrival of Jesus that long lay the world in sin till he appears. And this is what the prophet Isaiah was pointing towards in our passage today. So if you haven't already, open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm going to start reading at verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied a nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle to mold, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. In scripture, the word light refers to flourishing. It, it speaks to God's people dwelling in his presence in union and relationship with him. And, and darkness is the metaphor for being removed from that presence. It's the metaphor for when the world experiences brokenness and chaos. And so our passage is written to God's people in a tumultuous time. They're experiencing the judgment of being removed from his presence Enemy nations are coming against them in war and the people no longer have God's protection and covering over them because they have longed and pined after other gods. They have worshiped gods that will not fulfill, that are not real, that are not true, and now they are experiencing the darkness that is all around them. But it's in this place that God in his mercy and goodness offers a proclamation of hope, a promise of grace and goodness that a gift will be given that will break into the darkness and bring light once again to God's people. A weary world will rejoice when the light breaks into the darkness. And the point of this prophecy was to grow anticipation in God's people. It was to give them a sense of hope that a liberator would come, that a great savior would be giving, and he would come and lead God's people back into a place of freedom, that their oppressors would be removed. Look at verse three, we see that the savior would bring great joy. In verse four, it says that he would liberate them from oppression, that he would break the rod of the oppressor. And in verse five, we see that he would end all war. When it says that, uh, it has the phrase, as on the day of Midian, 
It's referring to Gideon and the battles that he had won when there were other nations coming against God's people. Midian was coming against God's people. God gave Gideon victory. And so he says, again, I will give you victory. I will liberate you and your boots, the boots for tramping into battle, your garments that are bloodied, you won't need them anymore. You will never have to battle again. You can throw them into the fire because you have been freed. I love Christmas. I love all the festivities. I love the the gaudy decorations and the music and the lights and the hot cocoa and just everything goes with it. It's such a great time of year. And especially because I have kids, uh, that just makes it that much better. Kids love Christmas. They anticipate Christmas. At my house, they start talking about it around Labor Day. And it doesn't end. And they start dreaming about what present they'll give and try to drop hints so that we'll, we'll get them what they want. Kids love presents and they just anticipate that morning where they get to tear off the packaging and see what they've been given. Church, that's why we celebrate this season of Advent. It's because we want to grow our anticipation. The goal of Isaiah's prophecy was to give the people expectation that God would deliver, that his gift would come and it would be given and they would receive. And so we give ourselves in this season to the discipline. uh, It's a spiritual discipline of celebrating Advent. It's to let ourselves feel the darkness. We start Advent by acknowledging the world is broken. It's dark, but we don't allow ourselves to stay there and be consumed by it. As author Fleming Rutledge says, Advent begins in the dark. The uniqueness of Advent is that it really forces us more than any other season, even more than Lent, the time leading up to Easter, to look deeply into what is wrong in the world and why the best laid plans don't work out the way we meant them to and why our greatest hopes are so often confounded, and why things happen the way they do, and why sometimes it is so difficult to see where God is acting. And so church, it's okay. If if you are very astutely aware of darkness this year, if you feel the brokenness, you look and see this pandemic that we continue to deal with, the loss of jobs, of work, the death of loved ones, it's okay to acknowledge those things and to feel those things, to lament those things as Christians. But don't stay looking there too long. Lift your eyes to the light that is given. Let the anticipation grow for Jesus healing to break in and to heal. And my second point is the light breaking through the darkness is a gift to be received and enjoyed. Look at verse six. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We celebrate Christmas because this prophecy that Isaiah gave has already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He's the undeserved gift. 
he's been given to us. And so I want us to take some moments to just zero in and focus on these four titles that are given to Jesus in this passage. This first one is Jesus is our wonderful counselor. That is good news to us this morning, church. In a season where we are struggling with anxiety, depression, fear, and grief in a way that we never have, is it not amazing that the king of the universe, creator of heaven and earth, is a wonderful counselor for you? He actually has compassion for you. The God who made the heavens looks at you and he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. In Corinthians, it says that the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles. And it says our comfort abounds in Christ Jesus. Hebrews says that Jesus is the one who sympathizes with our weakness because he, like us, has been tempted in every way, but he was victorious. He didn't give in to the temptation. He remained holy, but now he looks at us who are in broken and in sin, in error pining, and he has empathy. That's an incredible thing. My wife is... uh, Christian counselor. She works for a counseling organization that is Christian. It means she can actually share and proclaim the the love of God. But she went to a secular university uh, to get her degree in counseling. And it was a great experience. She learned a ton. She got tons of skills around listening and asking questions, being able to understand mental health and make diagnosis. But The thing that was interesting in that program was that when it came to actual counsel, there wasn't a whole lot to learn. It was a very humanistic approach to therapy that said uh, the goal is to help somebody discover the truth that exists within them. And I don't know about you, but at the points that I've went for therapy and have needed counseling, it's usually because I've come to an end of myself. I'm coming because I need hope. I need to receive empathy and care from somebody, but I don't have what I need within myself. That's why I'm pursuing counsel. And Jesus comes as our wonderful counselor. He comes with empathy. He comes to offer hope. But he says, listen, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the source of life. And if you are going to experience wholeness and flourishing and fulfillment, it's going to require you bowing your knee to me and receiving me as king. It's to turn from these other gods, these things that you have pined after. It's to recognize that as Isaiah says elsewhere and Paul quotes in Romans, that there is no one righteous, no, not one. That we have all sinned and turned away and have not reach the glory of God. We need forgiveness. We need a savior who can offer us true and lasting hope. So the light grows in the darkness when Jesus becomes your wonderful counselor. Church, would you focus on his truth this season? Would you give yourself to that? Secondly, it says that Jesus is our mighty God. 
And despite all the celebration of the holidays, it's often during this season and this time that we experience darkness in the most profound way. It's like a red-belled bucket ringer standing over you when you're trying to sleep, ringing his bell, and it's just deafening. It's overwhelming. And that's what the holidays are often like. We're most aware of being alone, the death of loved ones, conflict within our families. We just become very aware of how jacked up they all are. That's the holidays. And it's in this season, maybe more now than ever in 2020, that we need a mighty God. We need a God who is powerful, who can save and who can push back the darkness. And so I talked about, we give ourselves to the celebration, the discipline of celebrating Advent. And what do I mean by that? I mean that we need to actually take time to practice the things that will help us to focus on our God. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, as I was laying there alone battling this virus, and I don't want to make more of it than what was. Guys, you don't have to be overly afraid of this thing. My symptoms were not too severe. But as I was there alone, separated from family, I was actually live streaming the COVID-related funeral of my childhood best friend's dad and my high school basketball coach. Many of you joined with me in praying for him at our last community prayer. But he passed away. And so it it was a dark moment. It was a dark season. And so I was very aware that this this virus is real. But it was so interesting as as I watched his funeral and and the pastor who, who was overseeing the funeral actually had my coach's Bible. And it was opening up and he was turning to different passages that my coach had underlined and made notes around those passages, things that he had meditated on. And in that moment, there was this thrill of hope that broke through the darkness, knowing that my mighty God had actually saved, that my coach was no longer in darkness, but now he was living in glorious light, that he was flourishing in the presence of God. And hope broke in that even there alone, I could actually cry out and look to God, that I could ask him for healing, that I could pray for you. And I could say, God, please help us navigate during this time. And so over these weeks, church, would you be faithful to do things that will help direct your eyes to our mighty God? Would you meditate on scripture with your family? Would you read the Christmas story with your kids? Would you do the arts and crafts? And would you lean into the season of Advent? Would you be faithful to come and gather as you are now on Sundays? And those of you who are online, I know there's so many reasons and things why you can't be here, but you wish you could. Well done on tuning in. Continue to give yourself to the discipline of tuning in and listening to God's word preached. It is so important for this season if we are gonna be a people that can keep our eyes up and our focus on our mighty God. Ladies, would you come out Wednesday night and would you worship? 
Trust me, Christmas will be better for you. This season of lockdown will be better for you if you come and you orient your hearts around our mighty God. He wants to give us joy. He wants to help us to rejoice and to push back the darkness. It's not just religious ritual. It's in this season that we remember that long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. See, these practices that the church engages in, they help our souls to feel the worth of Jesus' coming. Jesus is also our everlasting Father. I love to watch Christmas movies with my kids. We're, we're just nonstop. We watch Christmas movies around the holidays. And I especially love introducing them to the old movies, the ones that I grew up with. You know, Home Alone, uh, The Christmas Carol, uh, Elf, uh, all these movies. But I noticed they all have this one thing in common. Uh, they have parents who are trying to deliver a good Christmas for their kids, but just miserably fail. I mean, they, they just mess it up. And their kids' Christmases are just these interesting experiences. Think about some of the dads in these movies. Kevin's parents just forget him. Like multiple times. My kids were binge watching Home Alone over Thanksgiving. There's like three or four of them now. It's ridiculous. And they just keep forgetting Kevin. It's sad. Think about Buddy's dad and Elf. He doesn't love people and he's on the naughty list. It's a failure. Yeah, Ralphie's dad. He's angry all the time and he cusses like a sailor. And Tim Allen can't even cook. He's got to take his kid to Denny's on Christmas. It's an epic fail. See, we know that earthly fathers tend to let us down. Earthly fathers don't always hit the mark. They're absent. They get angry. They abuse. Even the best of fathers. I had a great dad, but even the best of fathers don't always hit the mark, but God comes as our everlasting father. It's incredible. And he, he takes his power, his spirit, and he actually pours it into our hearts so we could be called sons and daughters, heirs to the throne, brothers with Jesus. It's an amazing thing, God's goodness. And so this Christmas, would you spend time trying to get to know Jesus as your everlasting father? Would you focus on scripture? Would you read Jesus' affirmations of who you are in him? And I guarantee you, if you focus on the truth of what Jesus says about you, you will have joy in your heart this Christmas. God will encourage your heart and he will meet you as an everlasting father, one who is kind and compassionate, who's mindful of you and where you're at. The light will continue to grow in the darkness when Jesus is your everlasting father. And finally, Jesus is our prince of peace. And if you remember in verses three through five, it says that Jesus would liberate, that he would give joy, that battles and war would cease to exist and peace would come in full. And I don't know about you, but I, I tend to struggle at this point. I tend to question, I, I really wonder, I'm like, whether you have... Uh, follow Jesus your whole life or you're not yet a follower and you're looking in, I, I'm wondering if you have the same question I do of like, Jesus, if you came, 
and you're the Prince of Peace, you are gonna make everything right, then what's going on? Because it's been a long time and the world is still really messed up. It doesn't feel free of conflict. It doesn't feel uh, like peace is here in the full. And so I think we need to remember at this point that the Bible actually speaks of two advents of Jesus. As Pastor J.D. Greer says it this way, Jesus' first advent to, was to save us from our sins, and Jesus' second advent is to save us from our suffering. It's a great name for a pastor, by the way. J.D., I like that. Let me say that again. Jesus' first advent was to save us from our sins, and his second advent is to save us from our suffering. See, Jesus came to bring peace between us and God. And as he entered in, he didn't enter in how we would have thought. We thought he would come as a warrior, as a, as a victorious king, but he enters as a child. He comes as a sacrificial suffering servant. One who would be scorned and nailed to a tree so that he could save many. See, church, don't miss this. Jesus' first advent was to save us from our sins so that we could find peace and reconciliation with a holy God. But it doesn't end there. He rose, and the Bible says that he will come again, that there will be another advent where Jesus will come back and he will bring peace in full, and he'll bring peace and release us from our suffering from our war with each other and the world itself, and he'll actually bring peace and establish it. And so remember, this season of Advent is to grow our anticipation, to grow our longing for that day to come when the Prince of Peace will make a return and he will establish his peace in full. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. We long for a new and glorious morn. Look at verse seven. This is the promise. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Do you see the light breaking into the darkness? And then it just keeps breaking in. And the light increases and it increases and it increases until the darkness is no more, until the world is no longer weary. And we experience his peace and his forgiveness and his joy and whole. Church, the light will increase as we continue to look to Jesus as our peace. But listen, here's how the peace increases now. Here's how it grows now. Listen to the Jesus invitation to us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you, church, are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Church, will you look long enough at the light 
Will you look to our mighty God this Christmas? Will you look so hard and so well that you start to reflect that light? Will you become a people of light? Will you become a city on a hill set there to give light to the nations, light to the world around? And in that, as you are the people who have experienced Jesus as your wonderful counselor, will you become counselors to those around you? See, we don't have to languish in error and pining, but right now, because we are the people who have received truth, we can actually proclaim truth to a world that is just raging, that is so lost and so broken and just hurting and in fear, we can actually speak truth to each other. We can remind each other to look up and to see our mighty God. And we can proclaim the truth that Jesus is a wonderful counselor, that he heals and that he saves to those around us. To the neighbors on your street who are in darkness right now. To the people in your workplace right now who don't have hope. Could you give them the thrill of hope? Church, we're those who can be mighty in faith because we have a mighty God. We're the people that have joy in our hearts because we know that the story is not over. We know that this year isn't what has the last word. There's a new year coming. There's another day. There's a morn that is coming that is glorious. Even in death, we're the people of hope. We're mighty of faith, and so we're, we're resolute and we're steadfast in hope and courage. Church, Southlands, would you be fathers to the fatherless? Would you give hope to those who need it? Would you give community? Open yourselves up, church. Be creative. Find ways to continue to take risk. Even as I know we're going to go into another lockdown tonight. It's not the news we wanted to hear. We had hoped it would be over by now. It's not. Guess what? There's so much opportunity for us to be fathers to the fatherless. So much opportunity to bring love and community to those on our street. Be social distant. Be safe. Do it online. Whatever you got to do, but find a way to be a father because you have a good father. And in that Southlands, we will be a people of peace will bring peace to the world that so desperately needs it. This is your mission, that you would push back darkness, that you would bring the light. And so would you with me as the angels sang, would you fall on your knees and would you worship Jesus, our glorious King this Christmas? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the words of Isaiah. We thank you that you remind us in scripture that there's a gift that has been given. And just like you gave it to your people as a way to increase their hope, they had to wait longingly, but they could grow their expectation. God, would you grow our expectation this Christmas? The world's not how we want. It's not where we thought it would be, God, but would you speak to our hearts? Would your Holy Spirit come now and refresh and encourage us? And Jesus, we long. We long for your return. Would you hasten the day, Jesus? Would you come, Lord Jesus? Come.